0: Welcome to the Cross Street Podcast. My name is Scott, and each week we're going to explore different topics and passages from the Bible, see what their meaning is, and then more importantly, see what relevance and applicability there are to our lives today. A lot of people think the Bible is outdated and has very little relevance in modern society. But in reality, there's a lot we can learn from it and even more to be encouraged by. And we challenge you to throw out any preconceived notions you may have about the Bible and read it again for the first time. You may be surprised at what hope it gives. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're going to be looking at the topic of how do you deal with the grass always being greener? What I mean by that is a lot of times we find ourselves in situations where whether it be a job we don't like or a relationship we don't like or circumstances we don't like or don't understand. We're always just wanting and waiting, thinking that, man, if I can just get this next best job or finish this course or get out of this relationship, then I'll be able to have a much more productive life. It's always thinking something next is going to be better for you than your current situation. And how can we deal with that? So today we're going to look in the Bible to see what it says about what you should be doing in situations like that, and and how we can deal with it. So the reading today we're going to look at is in the book of Acts, chapter 16, and it's referring to a man named Paul who was on a mission with a colleague of his, Silas. And they are going around just preaching the gospel and come to encounter a woman who has the ability to do magical things. And they end up exercising the uh, demon inside of her that allows her to do this And as a result of it, they ultimately get thrown in jail for it. So we're going to read this passage, and then we'll go through and see how it can help us with the uh, situation of how we deal with circumstances that we don't think are ideal and and what we should be doing in them. So as I said, we'll pick up the reading in Acts uh, chapter 16, verse uh, 16 is where we're going to start, and we're going to read down to verse 34. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, "'Don't harm yourself. We are all here.' The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' They replied, "'Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household.' Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in, the, in his house." At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because of he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And that ends our reading for today in the book of Acts. So this is a very interesting story. Uh, as I said, it's, uh, Paul and Silas were traveling through an area called uh, Macedonia, and they had been preaching uh, just outside the city, down uh, by the river, effectively talking to Jewish and non-Jewish people about uh, Jesus and preaching the gospel. And then they had this encounter with this woman. So we'll uh, go through the passage and see what we can learn about what God wants us to do and, and, and to how, to, how to kind of frame ourselves in circumstances that we don't think are optimal. So starting off the first part, it's kind of an interesting... Um, See, something that's kind of curious, at least it was for me, that Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel, and this woman seems to be kind of giving affirmation to them, going around following them and chanting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So you would think that they would be okay with her, but Paul obviously gets very annoyed and turns around and rebukes her and and calls the Spirit to come out of her. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, I thought she's kind of doing a good thing. But most commentators actually think that the, that the phrase telling you the way to be saved should actually be better translated telling you a way to be saved. Back in those days, uh, in this uh, culture, they were polytheistic and there was many ways in their religions to be saved, many different ways to God, many different gods. And so even though she was sort of affirming what they were doing, it may very well have been that she was just saying this is one of many ways And Paul and Silas wanted to make no mistake about what they were doing, that this was the only way and had enough of this woman coming around behind her. The other thing it could have been is that it says it happened over many days. So if you were preaching and uh, had somebody constantly screaming, um, I'm sure that you'd be annoyed by the end uh, after several days of it happening. So even if it wasn't the case that she was uh, not affirming what they were saying, it may well have been that she was just super annoying as well. So either way, you can understand Paul's reaction logical and makes sense as opposed to something that seems a little bit strange. So he called the spirit out of the woman and obviously the owners of her, because she was a slave girl, get annoyed with this, go and rile up the authorities to arrest these men. Now this is in uh, an area they they think that these are just two Jewish men uh, that have come into their town and preaching stuff that's not a part of their polytheistic uh, society, claiming uh, one one religion, one god. So they want to uh, kind of get rid of them because they've ruined their economic benefit of this woman. So they rabble up the crowd and they get, get them arrested. And it says that the magistrates order them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they've been severely flogged, which is lashed on the back where you're cutting into the skin. It's a really horrible uh, beating to take. They were thrown into prison and bound into the inner cell with their feet fastened in stocks so they could not move around. Let's just take a step back for a second and think about this. Paul and Silas, they are ministers of God's word throughout the region. They're doing their best they can to bring the gospel to people, to a new area, doing their best. And as a result of it, the reward they get is to be beaten severely and then thrown into an inner cell. This is actually a very important thing to think about. If I put myself in their circumstances, I would have been distraught. You know, I'd be God, I'm working for you. I'm not making any money. I'm not doing this for my own glory at all. I'm going into areas that I don't know anything about, don't know the people. And look at the results I'm getting here. That I don't understand. I, I thought I'd be getting... Uh, much more positive reviews. I think I'd be much better circumstances. I'm not doing this for selfish reasons. I'm doing it for your work. And the results are this. That's And that would be a common way to think about things. But look how Paul and Silas actually took it. it, it this is amazing. It says, About midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. So instead of being down on their luck, really upset and and, and angry at God, they're actually praying and singing praises out to him. This is an amazing statement. They are sitting in the worst position, bleeding out of their backs, in the dark, locked up, where they can't even move. And instead of complaining about it, they're doing the exact opposite. They're actually singing praises and hymns to God. And the other prisoners are here and they're listening to him and saying, wow, what is going on? These guys are like the, uh, they should be uh, crying out or screaming. And instead they're, they're actually praying and, and singing out praises to God. That is pretty crazy. And right after that, a violent earthquake shakes the prison, and it breaks loose. All their chains and the doors are open, and the jailer. You know, once again, think about myself. If I was in there and I'd been saying praise to God, and then He effectively redeemed me, first thing I'd do was run out of the cell. I mean, like, let's get the heck out of here, Silas. We've been we've been saved by God, but that's not what they do at all. Look at how they respond to this. The jailer wakes up when he obviously hears all the commotion, realizes that all the things have been open and real and knows that, that he has failed at his job, and his response is, I'm going to kill myself. But Paul shouts at him, don't harm yourself. We are all here. He's effectively foregoing his own freedom to try to save someone else, someone who had just beaten the heck out of him and had just locked him up. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, trembling, and given the amazing response of Paul and Silas, The jailer falls at their feet and asks, what must I do to be saved? And the men go on to tell him that they need to believe in Jesus and you and your whole household will be saved as a result. And they spoke to him about Jesus and they went over to his house and then it goes on to say that his family was even saved. So this is the next extremely amazing thing that Paul and Silas did. They obviously did not try to get away. They sat and were gracious to the jailer effectively saved his life. The man's heart was changed. He saw how amazing these men must have been, that God was on their side, believed their message, and then brought them home. And then finally it says that he took them in, asked for himself and his family to be baptized, and then he fed them and sort of took care of them. And that's the kind of the end of the whole story here. Uh, Well, what can we learn from this? So we see that Paul and Silas even though they are put in gigantically disastrous situations, did not complain to God at all. They, in fact, did the opposite. What could have possibly led them to be this this excited about God, this thankful for God? And the reason is, is because they actually understood their position in the world. What I mean by that is, we like to think about our own self, that this life is all that we have, and that our circumstances are kind of the response to how we've lived and how we've done things. If we've done the work, if people put in the effort, then they're gonna get the result. That's kind of the American way. That if you go after your dreams and you work hard, you're gonna make it. Well Paul realized something way bigger that he's already made it. That Jesus gone ahead of him, given his life for all of us, has already had us in a place of victory. So that way our circumstances that we find ourselves in are not going to be what drive our joy and our thankfulness. Their identity is in Jesus and not in their circumstances. And how do we know this? How do we know that they feel like they're in a position of strength and that their identity is in Jesus? Well, we can look at one of Paul's writings to confirm this. And this is actually an example from Philippians where he was in a similar situation in jail and he's writing a letter from there. And it says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then further down it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we can see that Paul sees his position has already been secured in Jesus, and he's focused on the prize from above and not in his circumstances on earth. And this isn't the only example in Paul's writings. Uh, Throughout all of his letters, there are littered with references to having his strength and identity in Jesus. I'll just give you one other one as an example from Philippians. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in fact, I think throughout all of me, there are over a hundred instances where he referenced being in Jesus or in Christ Jesus or in our Lord. So his Identity, without question, is in Jesus, not in his own circumstances. When we realize an eternal perspective and what God has done for us, we realize that we are already in a position of victory. We are already in a platform of strength as opposed to whatever our circumstances might dictate to us, whatever our culture might say about us. That's not where we are. Those of us that are in Jesus have already won. So we can then live out our lives, no matter whatever the circumstances, giving praise and thanksgiving to God, knowing that we have ultimately been redeemed, we have ultimately been taken care of, God is never going to leave us, and even when you face the worst circumstances, we can go through them in a much more fruitful way than ever before. And Paul and Silas understood this better than just about anybody. They were given the worst circumstances imaginable. And what did they do, they do? They ended up using them as a platform to praise God, to give Him the glory, and to do the work that they have been called to do. And as a result, they were able to change the hearts of plenty of men inside of a jail. Being secure in Jesus allows us to do God's work while we're suffering and actually get through it and have positives come out of it. So what we need to keep in mind is... This life is not all about me, 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 what I can get now, now, now. It's about recognizing what God's done for us, recognizing that we are already in a position of victory, surrendering ourselves to God and looking for him to give us guidance and to use us no matter where we are. Then when you end up getting those things on earth, whether the new job, you can be thankful but you're not relying on them. You can start to do work now that you never would have thought before. So to conclude, in life, we're gonna be put in situations that are not ideal. And they'll make us feel ineffective and not capable of living up to our potential unless we get out of them. But we don't need to get out of them. We just need to realize the position of strength we are already in because of Jesus. And that will free us to do the work now that we never would have before. Do you find yourself thinking that the grass is always greener Look at what Jesus has already done. He put himself in the worst possible circumstance on the cross so that we could be in a place of victory in any circumstance. Everything that we could ever need has been completed by him. Even death has been conquered for us. The Bible tells us, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is all we will ever need. Put your faith in him, bask in what he has done, and you will find joy and peace just in the same way that Paul and Silas did. And then, just like they did, when you face circumstances, whatever they are, you won't be looking for greener pastures. You'll be ready to answer God's calling in the words of Isaiah the prophet. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed it. And look forward to you next week on the Cross Street Podcast.